Next, we're going to look at the journey of the Shekinah. And the significance of examining this journey as specified in the Midrash Rabbah, Lamentations Prologue 25, is that we want to see the connection of the Shekinah to the Mount of Olives and Yeshua. So let's look at it. Ten journeys were made by the Shekinah. From cherub to cherub, from the cherub to the threshold of the house, from the threshold of the house to the cherubim, from the cherubim to the east gate, from the east gate to the court, from the court to the roof, from the roof to the altar, from the altar to the wall, from the wall to the city of Jerusalem, and from the city of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. From cherub to cherub, for it is written, And the glory of the Lord mounted up from the cherub, Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 4. From the cherub to the threshold of the house, for it is written, And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon it was to the threshold of the house, Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 3. From the threshold of the house to the cherubim, for it is written, And the glory of the Lord went forth from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. Ezekiel in chapter 10 in verse 18. The text from Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 18 should not have said went forth but came, but it says went forth. So what is the meaning of went forth? Rabbi Ahas said, The Shekinah may be likened to a king who left his palace in anger. After going out, he came back and embraced and kissed the walls of the palace and its pillars, weeping and exclaiming, Oh, the peace of my palace! Oh, the peace of my royal palace! Oh, the peace of my beloved house! Oh, peace! From now onward, let there be peace! From the cherub to the east gate, for it is written, and the cherubim lifted up their wings, and they stood at the door of the east gate. Ezekiel in chapter 10 and verse 19. From the east gate to the court, for it is written, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 4. From the court to the roof, for it is written, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. From the roof to the altar, for it is written, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, Amos chapter 9, verse 1. From the altar to the wall, for it is written, Behold, the Lord stood beside a wall made by a plumb line, Amos in chapter 7, in verse 7. Another interpretation is, what means anach, plumb line? It alludes to the Sanhedrin of 71 members. Where is it derived? From the numerical value of the letters of anach, then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line. Amos chapter 7 in verse 8. Rabbi Judah, son of Rabbi Simon, said, From the wall to the city, for it is written, Hark, the Lord cries unto the city. Micah chapter 6 in verse 9. From the city to the Mount of Olives, for it is written, And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 23. Rabbi Jonathan said, Three and a half years 
the Shekinah abode upon the Mount of Olives, hoping that Israel would repent. But they did not, while a bot coal or a heavenly voice issued, announcing, Return, O backsliding children, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, Malachi chapter 3, and verse 7. When they did not repent, it said, I will go and return to my place, Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. Now, what we want to understand here is the connection between what the rabbis is explaining as the journey of the Shekinah as it comes to Jerusalem and specifically the Mount of Olives and how this parallels Yeshua. Now, the common understanding of the duration of time of Yeshua's ministry is three and a half years, and that is the duration of time that the Shekinah is said to have abided on the Mount of Olives. And during that three and a half years, hoping that Israel would repent, pleading for them to repent. But when they did not repent, we are told, Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, that I will go and return to my place. Yeshua said in John, in chapter 14, in verses 2 and 3, in my Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. So let's examine and see this parallel between what happens to the Shekinah and what happened with Yeshua. Yahweh weeped to see the destruction of the temple, as explained in Midrash Rabbah Lamentations, Prologue 24. And in that day did the Lord, the God of hosts, call to weeping and to lamentations. At the time when the Holy One, blessed be he, sought to destroy the temple, he said, so long as I am in the midst, the nations of the world will not touch it. But I will close my eyes, or in other words, hide my face. I will close my eyes so as not to see it and swear that I will not attach myself to it until the time of the end arrives. Then came the enemy and destroyed it. Now it is explained in Midrash Rabbah Lamentations Prologue 24 that the temple was destroyed because Yahweh withdrew his right hand. For with the Holy One, blessed be he, swore by his right hand and placed it behind him. So it is written, he has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. Lamentations chapter 2 verse 3. At that time, the enemy entered the temple and burned it. The Shekinah is withdrawn until Israel confesses their guilt. Midrash Rabbah, Lamentations, Prologue 24. When it was burnt, the Holy One, blessed be He, said, I am no longer have a dwelling place in this land. I will withdraw my Shekinah from it and ascend to my former habitation. So it is written, 
I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. Hosea chapter 5 and verse 15. Next, it's explained from Sukkah chapter 5a that the Shekinah was at Mount Sinai and will also stand on the Mount of Olives. But did not the Shekinah descend to the earth? Is it not in fact written, and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai? Exodus chapter 19, verse 20. Now, the one that came down upon Mount Sinai, who is said to be the Shekinah, is also the one that gave the Torah. So the Shekinah is the lawgiver. Continuing, that was above ten handbreadths from the summit. But is it not written regarding the Shekinah? And his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. So the rabbis see that it is the Shekinah that will descend and be upon the Mount of Olives. Now, in the book From Exile to Redemption by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, volume 1 in page 54, it says that Messiah at the end of days, that his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. Well, if it says in Sukkah 5a that it is the Shekinah that will be upon the Mount of Olives, and Rebbe Schneerson explains that it's the Messiah whose feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives, if we make the connection between the two associations, Yeshua is the Shekinah, and his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. Now let's look at Acts in chapter 1. And verse 6, Yeshua was asked a question. And the question is, when they were coming together, they asked of him, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now the restoration of the kingdom to Israel is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel because it's the role and the task of the Messiah to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. So Yeshua answers the question and after he answers the question in verses 7 and 8, it then says in verses 9 through 12, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Yeshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then return they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And so Yeshua ascended to be with his father after he was resurrected from the Mount of Olives. And it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 9 that a cloud received him out of their sight. And then the angel said he will return in like manner. So if he left from the Mount of Olives, 
where is he going to return unto? He is going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives, as we are told in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. It says in verse 3, Then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet, whose feet? It is the feet of Yahweh will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Well, the text literally says it's the feet of Yahweh that will stand upon the Mount of Olives. But the rabbis explain that it's the Shekinah whose feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. And Rabbi Schneerson said in his book that um, this will be the Messiah. Acts chapter 1 verse 9 says that a cloud received him out of their sight. And the rabbis explain that the Messiah, after he is revealed in the land of the Galilee, that ultimately he will be taken up from the Mount of Olives. So these things that are recorded for us in Acts chapter 1 parallels with the teachings and the expectation of the rabbis as they specifically teach regarding the Shekinah. Now in Targum Jonathan, we have a reference referring to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 11 when the dove came to Noah and it is explained in the following way. And the dove came to him, that would be Noah, following the flood at the evening time. And behold, a leaf of olive gathered, broken off. She brought in her mouth, which the dove had taken from the mount of the Messiah. And there is a reference that this is referring to the Mount of Olives. Therefore, the Mount of Olives is called the Mountain of the Messiah. And this is why Messiah ascended from the Mount of Olives. And this would be a separate study. But I believe that Messiah was crucified on the Mount of Olives as well. And so this particular mountain in Jerusalem is called in the Targums the Mountain of the Messiah. Now, from the Zohar, Numbers, section 3, page 191b, it explains that the song of Moses is the song of the Shekinah. And what we're going to do next is going to make a connection between what the rabbis say is the song of the Shekinah, which is the song of Moses, with Revelation chapter 15, verses 2 and 3, where we're told about the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And so an alternative expression for the song of the Lamb, which is the song of the Messiah, is the song of the Shekinah. Once again, making the connection between Yeshua and the Shekinah. So from the Zohar... It is explained, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. Now that is from Exodus in chapter 15. Then 
there is song, the song of all sides. Yasher, literally, will sing. The tent suggests that this song fitted that occasion and will also fit the future redemption, which is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel in the end of the exile, when it will again be sung by Israel. Moses and the children of Israel will sing this song. So that which they sang in Exodus in chapter 15 will be sung again. And where do we see this? Revelation chapter 15 in verses 2 and 3. The same is implied in the words, As in the days of your going out of the land of Egypt will I show unto him marvelous things. Micah chapter 7 verse 15. Moses and the children of Israel will then sing this song unto the Lord. The song of the Matrona, which is an alternative term for the Shekinah. To the Holy One, blessed be he. The Shekinah will sing this song to the Lord. And we would understand that here it's referring to our Heavenly Father. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. And... Relate it to Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, it is written, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Now, the horse and his rider refers to Pharaoh and his chariots. And so Pharaoh drowning in the Red Sea is prophetic of the defeat of the beast of Revelation chapter 13. And those who get victory over the beast, Revelation chapter 15 verse 2, are described in Revelation chapter 15 verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. Now, when Revelation chapter 15 in verse 3 talks about the song of the Lamb, it is making a reference back to Psalm 137 in verse 4. So let's look at Psalm 137 and see the connection. I'm going to begin by sharing with you verses 1 and 2, which states the following. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion, and we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. So by... And in Babylon, you are sitting down, you are weeping, and you are remembering Zion. You're hanging your harp on the willow, which means you're not playing the harp. And so it's communicating that Babylon is a place of mourning for the exiles of Israel. Now we're going to pick up in verse 3 where it is written, for there, that is Babylon, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. Well, 
We can't sing the song if we look at verse 2 because the instrument by which we're going to sing the song is our harp and it's hanging on the willow. As a result, those who have taken Israel into captivity are mocking, as we see in verse 3, and they're saying mockingly, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And so the answer or the reply in verse 4 is, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land or in Babylon? You cannot sing the Lord's song, which is the song of the Lamb, which is the song of the Shekinah in Babylon. You can only sing that song when you leave Babylon, when you're no longer captive in Babylon, when you return to the land of Israel and there is no more exile. And that is what's happening in Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3, where it says, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And they're singing this song because we're told in Revelation in chapter 15 and verse 2 that I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over the mark, and the number of his name, they are having the harps of God. And it's with the harps of God that they sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb. Do you realize you cannot get victory over the beast unless you are confronted by the beast, unless you are in battle with the beast? So the time reference of Revelation chapter 15, verse 3, when the, the people here get the victory over the beast, over his mark, over his image, is that this takes place in the victory and the overcoming is during the reign of the beast, which we're told in Revelation in chapter 13 and verse 5 is 42 months, which is the last three and a half years before Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And so this greater exodus takes place during the last three and a half years while the beast is ruling in the earth. And those who are returning to the land of Israel, being led by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, being led by the Messiah, they are proclaiming this victory over the beast. And so this is why they're singing the song and why they're singing the song with their hearts. They are no longer in Babylon. Another important concept that we need to understand is that the Shekinah is one with Israel. And we're going to connect this to Yeshua's prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21, that he and his people would be one. From the Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 20, 21, it says, 
and he took up his parable. Numbers chapter 24, verse 3. When Balaam saw how Israel observed the unimportant commandments, he thought, who can curse these people who observe his commandments and with whom his name is associated? As it says, the Lord his God is with him. Numbers chapter 23, verse 21. He who curses them is like one who curses the Shekinah itself. For his name is merged with theirs. We need to understand this important concept that Israel, Torah, and the Messiah are achad. Israel, Torah, and the Messiah are one. His name, that is the name of the Messiah, is merged with the name of Israel. In the book, In the Garden of the Torah, on page 4 by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, he explains Israel, the Torah, and the Holy One, blessed be He, are all one. We see the association or the connection to Yeshua's prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21 and verse 23. That they all may be echad, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So when is Yeshua going to be seen as being one with Israel? When he gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, when he brings them back to the land, when they get the victory over the beast, over his mark, and over his image. And how will the world believe that Yeshua is the Messiah? Because the world will witness with their eyes the gathering of the exiles of Israel to the land, being led by the Shekinah, being led by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, who is Yeshua the Messiah. From the Zohar of Exodus, section 2, Page 216b, we have a, another very important concept of exile and redemption. And it is this. When the Shekinah is in exile, which also means when Israel is in exile, there is no union between the upper and the lower worlds. Now, let us understand what Yeshua explain to his disciples, taught his disciples, how we are to pray. Matthew, in chapter 6, verse 9, Yeshua taught, After this manner pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And so, when his kingdom comes... That is when his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, there is a union between the upper and the lower worlds. So when Israel is in exile, when the Shekinah is in exile, then there is no union between the upper and the lower worlds. So from the Zohar, after the recital of Hero Israel, 
we have to recite the section containing the mention of the exodus from Egypt, Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41, for the reason that the Shekinah was in the Egyptian exile, and as long as she is in exile, there is no union between the upper and the lower worlds. With that background, we now can understand John chapter 12 in verse 28, where it is written, Father, glorify your name. Then came a voice or a bot coal from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. So, Father, glorify your name. I've already done it. Father, glorify your name. I will do it again. So, when does glory come to the name of the God of Israel? It's when he redeems his people from exile. So, he did receive glory by delivering his people out of Egypt. And this happened at the sea, Exodus in chapter 15. He will receive glory again when Messiah gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, wherein there is the singing of the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Let's see how the name of the God of Israel was glorified with the defeat of Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. We look at Exodus in chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, as it is written. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And the King James says, and I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Where the phrase here, I will prepare him a habitation, the Hebrew here is the Strong's number 5115. The Hebrew word is Navah. And the meaning of Navah is to beautify. In the art scroll, Sidor on page 79. This is the Orthodox Jewish prayer book. Referencing Exodus in chapter 15, it says, This is my God, and I will build him a sanctuary. God of my Father, and I will exalt him. Another translation of this is, I will beautify or glorify him from the Hebrew word nevah. This same thought is expressed in the book, The Wisdom in the Hebrew Alphabet by Rabbi Monk on page 93. Quoting from Exodus 15 verse 2, This is my God and I will glorify him. And so we see that in Exodus 15 with the defeat of Pharaoh and his army, the God of Israel received glory. Looking at John chapter uh, 12, verse 28, I have glorified it. That's the historical Egyptian redemption. And I will glorify it again. 
And this comes about with the gathering and uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it brings glory to his name. His name is yod Hey vav Hey, often pronounced Yahweh. Israel is exiled so that the Messiah may be glorified. We can see this from Isaiah chapter 44, verse 23, as it is written. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. That's the gathering uniting of the twelve tribes of Israel. And look what this is associated with. And glorified himself in Israel. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 3. And he said unto me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So the glorification of the name of the God of Israel comes about when he redeems Jacob, when he gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the understanding of John chapter 12 in verse 28. Now it's explained in the Sinchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 957, that... The kingly Messiah, Messiah ben David, he will gather the exiles of Israel. What purpose will the royal Messiah come and what will he do? He will come to assemble the exiles of Israel. The Messiah of Israel gathers the exiles of Israel. Now we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verses 1 through 5. And these verses are quoted by Moses Maimonides, who's a rabbi of the Middle Ages. And he compiled Jewish law in a document known as Mishnah Torah. And he makes reference to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 5, as Biblical evidence that the Messiah is going to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. So let's look at these verses. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and shall return unto the Lord your God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day. That means following his Torah you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that then when you return to the Torah, the Lord your God will turn your captivity, that is, end the exile, have compassion upon you, and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you be driven out under the outmost parts of heaven, from there will the Lord your God gather you, and from there will he fetch you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. And he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. What period of time are we talking about when he's going to do for the exiles better than their fathers? We're talking about Yeshua setting up his kingdom and ruling and reigning in that kingdom. So... The gathering uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is associated with Messianic times. Now we're going to look at the book, I Await His Coming Every Day, page 14, 
written by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson. And we're going to look at the part of the book where Rebbe Schneerson is making reference to or quoting from Moses Maimonides' Mishnah Torah. And specifically, in the Mishnah Torah, the laws of the kings and in chapter 11 of the laws of the kings, which speaks of the laws concerning the Messiah. And so quoting from Moses Maimonides, Mishnah Torah, Laws of the Kings, chapter 11, part 1. In future time, the King Messiah will arise and renew the Davidic dynasty, restoring it to its initial sovereignty. He will rebuild the temple and gather in the dispersed remnant of Israel. It goes on to say, Whoever does not believe in him or does not await his coming denies not only the statement of the other prophets, but also those of the Torah and of Moses, our teacher, for the Torah attests to his coming. That is, the coming of the Messiah, who will gather the exiles of Israel. And now he quotes from Deuteronomy in chapter 30. And the Lord your God will bring back your captivity, have compassion upon you. He will return and gather you from among all the nations, even if your dispersed ones are in the furthest reaches of the heavens. From there will God gather you in, and God will bring you to the land. And now the comment regarding Deuteronomy chapter 30 and the role of the Messiah to gather and unite the twelve tribes of Israel, Maimonides says, these explicit words of the Torah include all, or is a summary, of all that was said on this subject by the prophets. Part 4 of chapter 11 of the laws of the kings, which deals with the laws concerning the Messiah, that if a king will arise from the house of David or descended from David, and if he does a variety of things, including gathering in the dispersed remnant of Israel, gathering and uniting in the 12 tribes of Israel, Maimonides says he is definitely the Messiah. Not might, not maybe, but the Messiah will gather the 12 tribes of Israel. In John chapter 10, Yeshua is answering a question of the Pharisees that occurs at the end of John chapter 9, wherein they ask him, are we blind? So Yeshua's answer to them is in John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, verse 11, Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd. When Yeshua said to the Pharisees, I'm the good shepherd, he is stating that he is the Messiah who gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel who are likened unto sheep, who are scattered into the nations. And in cross-referencing this to Ezekiel in chapter 34, and beginning in verse 11, the one who gathers the exiles of Israel is Yahweh Elohim. So Messiah here is stating that he is the good shepherd. He is Yahweh Elohim that is going to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeshua goes on to explain to the Pharisees in John chapter 10, verse 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. He's referring to the northern kingdom. He's speaking to 
the Pharisees or those of the southern kingdom or the house of Judah. And regarding the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, he says, Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. Hearing his voice means that they'll believe that he's the Messiah. Hearing his voice means that they will ultimately realize he's the lawgiver and follow his Torah. So Yeshua explains that there will be then one fold, that is the two sheepfolds, that is northern kingdom and southern kingdom. They will be one and have one shepherd, which Yeshua just said is himself. And then this is repeated in John chapter 11, verses 51 through 53, where it says, And this spake he not of himself, referring to Caiaphas, but being high priest that year, Caiaphas prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation, referring to the house of Judah, the southern kingdom. But then verse 52 says, and not for that nation only. So Yeshua is dying for not only southern kingdom, but northern kingdom as well. And they are described this way, that he would gather together in one the children of God scattered abroad. So who are the children of God that are scattered abroad that the prophets tell us will be united and be one? It is the 12 tribes of Israel. So Maimonides explains in Mishnah Torah, the laws of the kings and the laws concerning the coming of the Messiah, that the Messiah will gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeshua himself stated that he is the good shepherd that's going to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel, that he is going to be the good shepherd over in John chapter 10 in verses 11 16 through 17, and this is repeated in John chapter 11 and verses 51 and 52. From the Zohar to Leviticus, section 3, page 77a, it is explained that when the Shekinah is restored to its place, then we will have the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9, that the Lord's name will be one. In other words, we will have the fulfillment of there being a unity between the upper world and the lower world. And also at this time, the name of the Messiah will be one with the name of Israel. So this is the concept that's being explained right here. It says, in time to come, God will restore the Shekinah to its place. And there will be a complete union, that is, of the upper world and the lower world. It will be the fulfillment of Yeshua's prayer that he taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so then, there's a reference here from the Zohar to Zechariah 14, verse 9. On that day, the Lord will be one in his name one. Next, we're going to look at Psalm 102, verse 13 and verse 16, which says, You will arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time is come. Then it says, When the Lord will build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. How is he going to appear in his glory? He's going to appear as the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Which is the glory of the Lord? 
the Shekinah. And when he appears in his glory, he's going to build up Zion, which is the gathering, uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, meaning that the Messiah in his glory is going to be gathering and uniting the 12 tribes of Israel by means of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And this is him building up Zion. Now, the building up of Zion is the building up of Jerusalem, which is the gathering uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. We're going to cross-reference Psalm 102, verse 16. When the Lord will build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. With Psalm 147, verse 2, the Lord builds up Jerusalem, and building up of Jerusalem is the same as building up of Zion. In the building up of Jerusalem, Psalm 147, verse 2, is the gathering together the outcasts of Israel. So when is Israel going to be gathered? When the nations don't want anything to do with Israel or Jerusalem. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. I will restore health unto you. Health is the end of the exile. I will heal you of your wound. The wound is the exile says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, this is Zion, whom no man seeks after. So when the Lord builds up Zion, he will return in his glory. The building up of Zion is the gathering, uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. But in its fuller context, what is biblical Zion? Because Messiah's coming is associated with biblical Zion. Biblical Zion entails the following. Zion is a term for the people of the God of Israel. Zion is a term for the land of Israel itself. We're told in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 that the Torah will go forth from Zion. Biblical Zion is the fulfillment of the covenant made with Abraham. Biblical Zion results in the end of the exile of the 12 tribes of Israel. Biblical Zion is associated with the Messianic era. And Biblical Zion is Yeshua the Messiah gathering and uniting the 12 tribes of Israel and him dwelling with his people when he sets up his kingdom, when he rules from Jerusalem, and when his Shekinah covers the earth during that time. So, biblical Zion is the unification of the people of the God of Israel, the 12 tribes, being one in, back in the land of Israel with the Messiah of Israel ruling over them. Let's look at the scriptures regarding these things. Zion is a term for the people of the God of Israel. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. The end of the verse, Say unto Zion, you are my people. Zion is a term for the land of Israel itself. Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Blow the shofar in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord comes. It is nigh at hand. Zion is a term for the land of Israel. Next, we're going to understand that... Jacob is the inheritance of the God of Israel. 
Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. So Jacob is the inheritance of the God of Israel, but the land of Israel is the heritage or the inheritance of the nation of Israel. Exodus in chapter 6, verse 8. And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it you for a heritage. I am the Lord. Psalm 135, verse 12. And he gave their land for a heritage, a heritage unto Israel, his people. Now, the Torah is the inheritance of the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy 33, verse 4. Moses commanded us a Torah, even the inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. So, Jacob's inheritance is the Torah and the land. And Jacob is the inheritance of the God of Israel. Therefore, we're going to see a unity between the God of Israel, Jacob, the land, and the Torah. And that is biblical Zion. So what is biblical Zion? It is the oneness. It is the unity of the people of the God of Israel, the 12 tribes, the land of Israel, who are following the Torah of the Messiah, who has gathered his people from the nations and is ruling and reigning over them, and him setting up his kingdom. Yeshua dwells in Zion. And Isaiah in chapter 8 and verse 14, it is written, and he that is referring to the Messiah shall be a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel. So how is Yeshua the Messiah a stone of stumbling to both the houses of Israel? Well, while Christianity believes that Yeshua is the Messiah, they don't want to follow Messiah's Torah. And Judaism wants to follow the Torah, but they don't want to accept that Yeshua is the Messiah. Yet both Christianity and Judaism is looking for the Messiah to come in the end of days and to redeem his people. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 17. I will wait upon the Lord that hides his face from the house of Jacob and I will look for him. Who's looking for the Messiah? Both houses of Israel. Verse 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from Yahweh of hosts, which dwells in Mount Zion. Then, Joel chapter 3 and verse 16, The Lord will roar out of Zion. Who roars? A lion. And Yeshua, Revelation, 
in chapter 5 and verse 5 is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. As it is written, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So Yeshua is going to roar out of Zion. He's going to reveal himself to his people and to the world out of Zion. When he gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, doing so, leading them to the land by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And in doing so, Yeshua receiving glory and the name of the God of Israel being one. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. Next, from the book, The Messiah Text, by Raphael Patai, on page 181. And the title of chapter 19 of his book is The Ingathering of the Exiles of Israel and the Return of the Shekinah. Therefore, there is an association being made between the end of the exile and the return of the Shekinah. And we are explaining to you how the exiles of Israel will return, being led by the Messiah, who is the Shekinah, leading them by the cloud by day in the pillar of fire by night. One of the great themes of the Messianic cycle is that of the kibbutz galiot, the ingathering of the exiles from the four corners of the earth. Ever since the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Romans in the year 70, Jews have prayed three times a day for the ingathering of the exiles, which for them is synonymous with redemption or the end of the exile in messianic times. Associated with this is the ten tribes exiled by the Assyrians in 721 and believed to dwell beyond the river Sabatian. These tribes will be gathered by the Messiah in the land of Israel together with those who are exiled in the west. Now, these 18 prayers are known as the Amidah or the standing prayer. The Amidah, or the standing prayer, are 18 benedictions which are prayed three times a day by observant Jews. Two of these prayers are for the end of the exile of Jacob, the end of the exile of the 12 tribes, and the coming of King Messiah. The coming of King Messiah is associated with the coming of Elijah, or Eliyahu, who precedes the coming of King Messiah. In the Messiah text, on page 321, it explains these prayers for the coming of the Messiah. The request for redemption, that is the end of the exile and messianic times, and the coming of the Messiah addressed to God are part of the Amidah prayer, popularly referred to as the 18 benedictions, which together with the Shema, Hero Israel, is the most important of the prayers that are recited by observant Jews three times a day. And we are going to look at the text of 
one of these prayers of the 18 benedictions. We are going to look at the text of the 10th prayer. And it is a prayer for the ingathering of the exiles and thus the coming of the Messiah. The prayer is as follows. Blow the great shofar for our freedom and lift up a banner to gather our exiles and gather us from the four corners of the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gathers the banished of your people, Israel. Now, the way in which the exiles of Israel are going to be gathered is going to be by the cloud by day in the pillar of fire by night. And we can see this in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, where it is written, And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies, plural. So there will be multiple assemblies in the name of these assemblies together is biblically called Mount Zion. And in Revelation in chapter 14 in verse 1, this is why we are told, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And in verse 2 it says, I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. This is referring to Yeshua. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. So the lamb and the 144,000 are on Mount Zion and they have harps. And in verse 3, they sing a new song. And with their harps, Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, they are singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Back to Isaiah in chapter 4, verse 5. This is why we have the setting of Mount Zion and why we're told about every dwelling place and upon her assemblies. Because... The exiles of Israel will be assembling all over the world in various groups. And they will be doing so at the beginning of the last three and a half years before Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. Messiah will set his feet down on the Mount of Olives on Yom Kippur in the fall of the year. Therefore, the Gathering back to the land begins at Passover. And once you eat your Passover Seder meal, then you will go to assemble um, with others of your group. And Ezekiel chapter 20 says that we're going to be assembling in the wilderness of the peoples. Um, we go to Ezekiel in chapter 20, in verse 35, I will bring you into the wilderness of the people. And this parallels with Revelation in chapter 12, where with the birth of Zion, the woman here in Revelation 12 is giving birth. She's giving birth to Zion, biblical Zion, 
which parallels Isaiah in chapter 66. Isaiah in chapter 66 and verse 8. It says, A nation is born in one day, that's biblical Zion, and as soon as Zion travailed, Revelation 12, the woman is travailing to give birth, that she brings forth her children. So the children of Zion are the exiles of Israel who are returning to the land, being led by the Messiah in the form of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And Revelation 12 says she flees into the wilderness for three and a half years. So this is the background to understanding Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 5. The Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies. So there will be groups all over the world who will be assembling at the beginning of the last three and a half years, which is on a Passover. And once we have our Passover meal, then in our dwelling places, we will have a leader of our assemblies, which is one of the 144,000. They are playing the role of Moses. They are leaders of the camp. And they will be directed, like Moses was directed, by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Isaiah 4, 5. For upon all her assemblies a cloud and a smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory, it says in the King James, shall be a defense. But the word defense in Hebrew is a chuppah. And a hoopah is a wedding canopy. And a wedding canopy is where a marriage takes place. And so it is taught by the rabbis that on Mount Sinai, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, the Shekinah that was there, that a marriage took place at Mount Sinai between the one who was giving the Torah, that is the Messiah, and his people. And they exchanged their vows at Mount Sinai. We're in Mount Sinai. And the Shekinah that hovered over Mount Sinai is seen as being the chuppah. So the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night is once again referred to as a chuppah, a wedding canopy that is going to be leading the exiles of Israel back to the land of Israel. And from this we can understand that the gathering and uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel is likened to a marriage. We're told in Jeremiah, in chapter 33 and verse 11, we see the association with the gathering of the exiles of Israel and marriage. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. And then it goes on to say, I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, says the Lord. And so this gathering of the exiles of Israel is the Messiah gathering his bride. When Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, he's coming for a bride that he is going to rule and reign with. And it says in Revelation in chapter 19 in verses 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. 
And so he's coming for his bride. And in doing so, he's gathering the exiles of Israel. And he's gathering her by the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And that cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night is a chuppah unto her. And it goes on to say in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 6, And there will be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. And so this has a literal application that this cloud by day and pillar of fire by night is going to be a protection from weather, but also it's going to be a protection from the enemies of the exiles of Israel, of which the beast and the beast system is the primary enemy. And so the Messiah, in the form of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, will be the protector of the exiles of Israel. Now, this cloud by day and pillar of fire by night is going to be visibly seen by those who are living on the earth. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. It is written, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. So this darkness and gross darkness is a reference to the great tribulation period, the last three and a half years. And it's during this time that we are told the Lord will arise upon you, and this is his bride, and his glory shall be seen upon you. His glory is the Shekinah. His glory is the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It will be leading the exiles of Israel. It will be leading his bride. And it is upon the exiles of Israel. And it will be seen by the people who are living in the earth. We can see from Isaiah chapter 35, verse 2 and verse 10, the association of the glory of the Lord to the gathering of the exiles of Israel and seeing with your physical eyes, the glory, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Isaiah 35, verse 2 and verse 10. They will see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. And the ransom of the Lord will return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The sorrow and sighing is... The exile. The joy and gladness is the end of the exile. It is the recognition of who the Messiah is. It is the Messiah setting up his kingdom and ruling and reigning, teaching the Torah to all nations. This is the joy and gladness in the song that will be sung. Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 21 and verse 25. The setting is the defeat of Gog and Magog and the Gog and Magog armies who wage war upon the people of the God of Israel, upon the mountains of Israel. When they are defeated, we are told in Ezekiel 39, verse 21 and verse 25, I will set my glory among the heathen and all the heathen will see my judgment that I've executed and my hand that I've laid upon them. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel. The setting is following the defeat of Gog and Magog, the Lord will pour out his spirit and he will set his glory among the heathen and they will see the judgment of the Lord. And at this time, he gathers and unites his people, ends the captivity of Jacob. Through this event, the Messiah gathering and uniting the 12 tribes of Israel, defeating the enemies of Israel, the beast and the beast system, he will be glorified. Isaiah 49, verse 3, And he said unto me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. This is the meaning behind Yeshua's prayer of John chapter 21. That they all may be one. He's praying for the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he being one with them and they being one with him. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world would believe that you sent me. How is the world going to believe? When they see his glory. When they see him gathering the exiles of Israel in the form of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one. Yeshua being one with his people and his people being one with him that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me and the glory which you gave me when was Yeshua glorified after he was resurrected he received glory and ascended to be with his father and when does Israel receive glory that when they return from the nations where they've been scattered, and while in exile, Ezekiel chapter 37 likens them to dry bones. And their return to the land of Israel is likened to resurrection of the dead. And so in telling us about the dry bones of Ezekiel chapter 37... It then says in verse 12, Prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. They will know that who has spoken it and performed it? The Messiah. When he's done what? When he's brought his people back from the nations where they have been scattered. And when he does this, his people will receive glory. This is Messiah's prayer. John 17, verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. How is the 12 tribes redeemed going to receive glory? They are going to rule over the nations once Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. That they may be one even as we are one. So this oneness is the fulfillment of Zechariah in chapter 14 
and verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day there will be one Lord and his name one. When Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, sets up his kingdom, he will be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. The Torah will go forth from Jerusalem, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. And he will be ruling and reigning from the temple of the Messianic era. Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 5 and verse 7. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. That is the Shekinah. That's the same thing that happened in Exodus in chapter 40 and verse 34. That is the same thing that happened in Second Chronicles in chapter 5 and verses 13 and 14. Now back to Ezekiel in chapter 43 and verse 7. He said to me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And so then we have the fulfillment of Zechariah 14, verse 9. The Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day there will be one Lord and his name one. And when Yeshua sets up his kingdom, when he's ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, from the temple, which is the place of his throne, when the Torah is being taught to all nations, Isaiah in chapter 2 and verse 3, then Israel will be the head of all nations and Israel will be receiving glory. And it's at this time we have the fulfillment of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The whole earth will be filled with the Shekinah. The ultimate fulfillment of the Shekinah being with his people permanently is Revelation chapter 21 at the time of the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21 verses 2 and 3. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. How is he going to dwell with them? Through his presence. And what is his presence? It's his Shekinah. What is his Shekinah? It is his glory. Who is the Shekinah? It is Yeshua. So Yeshua will be dwelling with his bride forever in the new Jerusalem and his glory in his Shekinah is going to be the light of the new Jerusalem. Revelation 21 verse 23 in the city had no need of the sun neither the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it that is the Shekinah and the lamb even Yeshua the Messiah he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, John chapter 1, verse 29. And the Lamb is the light thereof. This is going to conclude this teaching on the Shekinah. And we've seen from this teaching that 
The Shekinah is the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah, is Yahweh. And Yeshua is the glory of the Lord. It is Yeshua who was in the garden who spoke to Adam and Eve. He was, as we're told in Genesis, in chapter 3 and verse 8. He is the voice of the Lord God that walked in the garden. He is the one that made covenant with Abraham. He is the one that was with the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. He is the one that brought them out of Egypt. He was the one that was with them in their journeys in the form of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He's the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. It was his glory that filled the tabernacle. It was his glory that filled Solomon's temple. And it was the Shekinah, the glory, that departed from the Mount of Olives after it had abided in Jerusalem for three and a half years. And it was going to go and return to its place, Hosea chapter 5, verse 15, till they acknowledge their guilt. But the Shekinah is going to return. And when the Shekinah returns is when Israel returns from their exile. And the Shekinah will be with them in the form of the cloud by day in the pillar of fire by night. The Messiah is the one that gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel. He will be leading his people back to the land in the form of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And following, bringing his people back to the land, his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. He will set up his kingdom. He will rule and reign from Jerusalem. His throne will be from in the temple in Jerusalem. And Israel will be the head of all nations. The Torah will be going forth from Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the understanding of the Shekinah being the glory of the Lord, being Yeshua, and his role as the Shekinah to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, this is a part of a Hebraic Heritage Ministries discipleship program. If you are interested in further studies of the discipleship program, write to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, Post Office Box 81, Strasburg, S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. You can send us an email at the following address, contact us, that's one word, contact us at hebroots.org. Now remember always these words from 1 John in chapter 2 and verse 6. He who says he abides in him, he who says he's a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, ought himself to walk, that means to live our lives, even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk? How did he live his life? He followed the Torah of his father. Even so, he instructed those who believe on him in John chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.